Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Let's say this together. I believe I am in the right place at the right time for something really, really good to happen in me, for me, and through me. If you believe that, say, "Uh uh-huh. Before I jump into our message, I wanted to make just a quick announcement that will maybe help some people. Um, when we started into all of the uh, pandemic issues and uh, we started to reconnect uh, live, we changed our streaming format to help people um, watch us better. And we had really, 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 really successful connection with um, great numbers while you weren't able to be here or some of you maybe didn't feel comfortable coming back yet. So we changed our, the way we were streaming um, but then we started realizing we were having some, just a lot of glitches week in and, and week out uh, with that. And so we are changing a little bit of what we're doing. So just to let you know, it's not, uh, a, you, it'll be easier to find us. So instead of being live at 10 and live at 6, we're live at 10 and then you can watch any time once this morning service has ended. You don't have to wait till 6 o'clock. There were just a lot of glitches in the system. And you can also, you can watch us on our website. You can also watch us on YouTube again, as long as they're going to be nice and keep us around. It's another story. But so we're, we're trying to make that more convenient. And we feel like during the season of, of dealing with things, that's what we needed to do. But we are um, changing for an easier format for you. So that may not mean a lot to you, unless you know you have to watch us a lot. So you can, you do not have to wait any longer till 6 o'clock. And so it's not, uh, we call them campuses, and so it'll just be live. You can go there live um, after service, and you can also watch us on YouTube. That being said, last weekend we started a series called My Functional Family. Uh, I, I believe that I told you that a couple years ago in prayer, God spoke to Pastor Diane and I and told us that the next season for us would be to really, really focus on three main things. It doesn't mean we won't deal with other things, but faith, family, and freedom. Three things you're going to hear a lot uh, from us about here at, at LifePoint. And so uh, this month, we, we really believe that we're supposed to tackle the issue of family. How many would agree that a, a country breaks down because a family breaks down? Society breaks down, culture breaks down because its roots are in the breakdown of families. And I believe that if you are a Bible-believing, faith-filled, spirit-filled person, you are equipped to have a very functional family. If you go to LifePoint, we want you to have a blessed, functional family uh, because a lot of times you hear people say, well, I came from a dysfunctional family. Well, the good news is that God is not dysfunctional. He is functional. Amen? Functional families don't happen by accident. So we want to we arm you for you and your family to be functional. So I looked up the word functional, and functional means this. It has to do with the way something operates. It's an activity that, a special activity, I should say, that contributes to the whole working. So it's this activity that allows the whole larger whole to develop and to operate. If we use the word dysfunction, we would say that something is abnormally impaired in its functioning. 
unfortunately, sometimes we are dysfunctionally functional. You say what that means. We're so used to being dysfunctional, that's how we functional in different areas of our lives. And so I, I want to throw a couple things up on the screen that I used last week. And I did some research for you. And I made a list that I'll just go through quickly of the difference between a functional family and a dysfunctional family. A functional family has provision. Dysfunctional family stays in need. That's, that's what the basic needs of life that a family would have. If you're functional, those are provided for. If you're dysfunctional, you stay in need. And I will tell you that we worked with families where they have not been provided for. Kids are without food. Kids are without the necessities that they need. That makes a family dysfunctional. Security versus fear. If a, fam if a family is functional, then it is a, a safe, secure environment versus a fearful environment. I know many of you that work in the educational systems, you can look at this list and, and you automatically think of names of students that you work with. Um, a, a functional family is a home where, where family members are affirmed instead of rejected, respected instead of disrespected. There is connection within the family. There are, uh, you get to share life together, make family memories together versus many in a dysfunctional family that feel isolated and alone. In a functional family, there is successful communication versus those living in silence. And the last one is, is, is where we directed ourselves last week. In a functional family, there's direction, there's training, there's, there is expectations that are clear. And when that doesn't happen, members in the family, especially the children, just start to drift through life, drift through school. Um, uh, they are unsuccessful in dealing with life. And so those are just some basic differences between function and dysfunction. And I do believe, though, building off of that, Scripture gives us a lot of insight on how to be a functional or a dysfunctional family. Last weekend, we said this is, this is the first principle, and it's the principle of pursuit. We did a message about how functional families, they pursue properly. They pursue God as their highest priority. They they pursue uh, God with all of their hearts. They pursue God as their, God's ways with their, uh, as their highest, highest purpose. And so it's this, this concept of pursuit. We use the scripture in Joshua's dying speech. He said, but as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're going to what? We're going to serve the Lord. We used that as our scripture last weekend. And before I jump into this week, I want to show you my little triangles that I put up last week. And so... I know that when I talk about family, it means a lot of different things to us. And for a family, God has to be at the top of the pyramid. And as long as we're always pursuing God, family always functions correctly. And maybe this is your family. You have God at the top, and it's me and you. That It's you and your spouse, and you are pursuing God passionately and properly together. But maybe your family doesn't just include me and you or spouses. Maybe there is some them in your household. Those are the little people eating all of your food and using up all of your money. So maybe your family dynamic looks like uh, a husband and wife and pursuing God, or maybe it looks more like husband and wife and some little ones pursuing God. Or maybe your dynamic looks a little bit more like this slide. Maybe it is you as a single mom or dad and you have children and you are pursuing God. Uh, maybe there's not a spouse there with you. Or maybe you are a single individual at this time. I want you to know that all of those pyramids 
describe the same thing, that we pursue God properly. No matter what your family dynamic looks like in this season, that's the first step, that's the first principle to having a successful and functional family. Y'all ready for week two? That's everything I said last week. So this week, I want to talk, uh, here's my title, that a functional family, functional families honor accurately. Not only do they pursue properly, they honor accurately. Everyone say honor. I want to talk about this principle of honor that will make your family function properly for the next few moments. Y'all ready to go? Let's make some life points. First life point is this. If you honor God with your life, God will honor you in your life. Let me say that good again, and y'all can say good. If you honor God with your life, God will honor you in your life. Let's try this again. If you make a decision to honor God with your life, God will make a decision to honor you in your life. I, I will prove that with you, uh, to you with this scripture found in the Old Testament. This is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It says, therefore, the Lord, the God of all Israel says this, I did make you a promise that your house, that your house and that of your father would go in and would go out before me forever. How many know that's a good thing? Go in and out with the presence of God forever. The word of God, the promises of God. But, how many know you got to pay attention in scriptures that have the word but I will do this this will happen but it usually needs means we need to really pay attention to what's about to be said but now the Lord says be it far from me for those who honor me I will honor and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed the scripture is directly telling us that if we will choose to honor God with our lives, he will honor us in our lives. If we do not practice the principle of honoring God, the Bible says he will not honor us in our lives. That's why I said pay attention to that conjunction. It wasn't and or or, it was but. I want you to go in and out, walking in and out of my promises and functioning in my promises, but I will tell you, you have to honor him for that to manifest consistently in our lives. Now the word honor is an interesting word. And I do believe that if you are in our, our, our older crowd, you were taught a lot more about honor than our current generation was taught. So to you, this may sound like, oh, we, we grew up learning this consistently. For those of us who maybe are, are a little bit younger, I'm throwing myself in that crowd um, just because I want to this morning, but some of us weren't learning the principles of honor. I think you could say it was a given in your culture, in our culture today, it's a missing ingredient, but it's not missing from scripture. And so the word honor basically means this, that you treat someone or you treat something as weighty. It means you can't do without it. You esteem it. You respect it. You, you, you put it on high, and you give it honor. That's what honor means, to treat something as weighty. In other words, you can't do without it. Sometimes the easiest way to define the word honor is to look at its opposite word, which is dishonor, which means you dis the honor. You treat things too common. You could do without it. 
And I want you to know that one thing happens when we dishonor, we begin to limit the potential of something being successful. Now think about this. The Bible tells us that Jesus actually said in his hometown he could not do any big miracles. Why? Because they said, oh, that's just Mary's boy. And they dishonored him. Dishonor, if it restricted Jesus himself as God's son walking on this earth, how many know it could, it could restrict and limit things in our life? If it restricted the power of God, if it restricted the anointing of Jesus, could it not restrict the potential of the word of God in our own lives? So when we make a choice that we're going to honor God with our lives, God's make a, going to make a direct choice and honor and treat you with weight and treat you with esteem right back in your life. And let, let me tell you how this works. Let me talk about a few things about honor. When I say honoring God, I'm talking about some things like this, that we honor the word of God. We honor the will of God, and we honor the ways of God. We treat it weighty. We can't do without it. It's not common. We esteem it. We respect it. And you know the word, the will, and the ways of God, they're the same thing. But we put, we, we, we say this, we cannot do, we cannot live, we cannot breathe, we cannot heal, we cannot prosper, we cannot have good relationships, we cannot have freedom in our lives if we treat the word of God as common. It's life to us. We honor it above all things. We, we, need to be, we need to say this. This is how I feel, but God said. This is what I see, but this is what God said. This is what I heard, but this is what God said. That's honoring the word of God above all things. And I would like to say this also about honor is honor includes these three things, your thoughts, your words, and your actions. It's the combination of those three things. If I say to you that I honor you, but inside I'm thinking you're a bozo, that's not honor. Or if I act like I honor you, but I go to someone else and I dishonor you, that's dishonor. It includes the combination of our words, our thoughts, and our actions. And I want to make a statement to you that you ought to write down or log it in your mind because this is a key to what I want to say today, and this is a key to your life being blessed, successful, prosperous. I want you to get this. Honor. Everyone say honor. Honor is the seed. Everyone say seed. It's the seed to access what you desire. I was expecting a little bit like, that's amazing. I've never heard anything so awesome. But honor is the seed in your life to access anything that you desire. Thank you three people for, for honoring the word of God this morning in thought, word, action, and deed. Think about what I just said. Honor. The principle of honor is the seed. And if you study the Bible, you know that all throughout Scripture, you know, a lot of the Bible was writ written from an agricultural demographic. And they understood that everything starts with a seed. You sow seed in your finances, God brings a harvest. You sow seed whatever area of your life. The Bible says don't be, um, don't be misled. Whatever you sow and however you sow, you shall reap. Where you want to get in life, what you want to see happen in life, what you want to believe for from the word, how you do business, how you do marriage, how you work at your workplace, how you do all of those things, 
Honor is the seed that you use to access your next level, your breakthrough, your prosperity, your, your healing, your relationships. It's, the, it's so important. It's what you give God to allow God to honor you in your life. Scripture says if we honor him with our lives, he will honor us in our lives. How many want God to honor you in your life? Now, this is about to get good. Y'all ready? This is about to get really good. Ready? Um, let me read you the next scripture from the book of Colossians, and it reads this way. Let every wife, all the ladies go, hey. Let every wife be supportive and tenderly devoted to her husband. This is a beautiful illustration of the way we're devoted to Jesus. Let every husband, everybody go, hoo-hoo. <laughs> Let every husband, God help us, be filled with cherishing love for his wife and never be insensitive toward her. Let all of the children respect and pay attention to the parents in everything. A parent said, uh-huh, somebody listen, right? In everything, because this pleases Jesus. And fathers, and it could be slash mothers, don't have unrealistic expectations for your kids or else they will become discouraged. Well, let's tear the scripture apart for just a moment. Life point two. If you recognize that honor is 3D, it will direct your destiny. Remember, if we honor God... With our lives, he'll honor us in our lives. And if we realize that this honor thing is 3D, then it, it, it's going to direct our destiny. Here's what I mean by 3D. Honor flows in three directions. It's 3D. It's tri-directional. It moves in three directions. Let's, let's talk about these directions. First of all, honor always moves upward. The natural direction for honor is to move what? Upward. Now hear me, hear me say this, whenever honor moves upward, it always flows, the upward flow of honor is called obedience. We, are, we have a ready heart to be submissive, we have a ready heart to be obedient, and honor always flows upward as obedience. Here's what that looks like. Obviously, we honor God, That's what a, that is a vertical upward honor, treating him with esteem, respect, his word, his will, his ways, and thought, word, and action. Um, some of you might have a boss that you work for. How do we honor our boss? We have a submissive, yielding heart, and we honor those who employ us. We honor our leaders. Sometimes those leaders are spiritual. Sometimes those leaders could be our teachers. Sometimes those leaders could be our coaches. And I think if I talked to most of our educators, they would tell me this honor thing is missing when kids walk in and out of our schools. That's why there's challenges instructing some of the children that, that they have in their classrooms, but thank God you're there with them. But it always flows in this upward fashion, and it flows as obedience. And I put this down on my notes. Honor... We're talking about vertical, upward honor, and obedience with a submissive heart always comes from your opinion of authority. If you struggle with honoring those above you, it means you have an, uh, uh, an opinion of honor that is 
and accurate. Now I want you to hear this. God would not have put them over you if you did not need something from them. Thank you for the house of enthusiasm this morning. We, we, we need to think about how we are, remember, honor is thought, word, and deed. We have to be very, very cautious when we start thinking the way we do about our bosses, our coaches, our teachers, our parents. When we think we can do it better, they don't know what they're doing. Those thoughts are dishonorable. And you cannot believe for God to honor you in your life with thoughts like that. Y'all doing all right? It'll get good when I'm done, trust me. This is our spanking, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get this all out here in, in, in just a few moments. Obedience, when it flows upward, it's having this submissive heart. And this is the word of God, that if we can honor upward, we have to be submissive. We have to be yielding, knowing that God put people over us because we needed something from them. Now let me talk to you about your children. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents. And all the parents said? Yes. And do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. For the commandment that we find all the way back in, in the building of the Ten Commandments is this, honor your father and honor your mother. It was the first commandment that attached a promise to it. And look at the promise in verse 3. You will prosper and you will live a long, full life if you honor your parents. This is the first commandment that had a promise attached. That if we will honor our parents, say parents looking at their kids, they're doing this. If you honor them, you obey them, the Bible gives two promises. That you will be successful and that you will live long. Two promises from God. If, if, and I would go on to say this for all the rest of us that maybe aren't kids anymore, this promise still has the same principle. If we honor right, things are going to be successful in our lives, and our days are going to be blessed, and our days are going to be many. You, you will not have success and lasting blessed days with a disrespectful, dishonorable attitude of those above us. Right, you didn't like that one. Here's the second flow of honor. The second flow, if, if the first is upward, the second is outward. It is outward. When honor flows up, it's obedience. When honor flows outward, it's this word esteem, which means to respect, which means to value. It, it would look a little bit like this, that the Bible says we honor all people. We honor our peers. We honor our coworkers. We honor our friends. We esteem our spouses. We're talking about family, so I'll focus on kids. I want to focus on the, the, the spouses for, for uh, just a moment. And the Bible says this to the husbands. Husbands, esteem your wives. Make them feel secure. You know, the number one need that every wife has, every lady has, is that she would feel loved, which makes her feel secure. And all the ladies said, Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. To the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with tender devotion to Christ, his bride, for he died for us and he sacrifices himself for us. Guys, your biggest requirement from Scripture 
is that you nourish and love and show your wife affection. Every decision, every word, every thought should be to build security in her life. This is why she asks you consistently, do you love me? I told my wife the other day, I said, I love you so much. She goes, you do, do you? <laughs> she said, why? I gave her a couple reasons. She's like, is that all? I'm like, <laughs> how many guys get that question a lot? I'm like, would you, I said, would you, would you just accept it when I say I love you? And I'm like, well, tell me why you love me. And then I'm on the spot. I'm coming up with things. And wives, the Bible says, Esteem your husbands by making them feel respected. So wives, your number one thing that you need is love. Guys, the number one thing that you need is respect. Do you know that a guy would rather be respected than loved? So your, your responsibility with, with your spouse is to make him feel respected. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. For wives, this means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to Jesus. So guys, it says we're supposed to love our wives like Jesus loves the church. And wives are supposed to respect husbands like Jesus is respected as the groom of the church. So honor flows upward. Honor when we esteem each other, when we respect each other. And honor flows downward. It flows downward. When honor flows downward, it flows as nurturing. There may be students you teach. There may be athletes you coach. There may be employees that you have. There may be children that you have. So when we say honor is three-dimensional, that means it flows in an upward direction as obedience to those above us. It flows outward to those that are on the level with us, and it flows outward as esteeming, and it flows downward as nurturing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I want you to get these words, fathers, but it could be fathers slash mothers. Fathers are the leaders. Don't exasperate your kids. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. But raise them up. Now, I think the word raise is a bad word in this translation. It literally means to train them up. You raise cattle, you train kids. There's a difference. You train them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings what? the revelation of Jesus. That's our job. Don't exasperate those under us, but nourish them with the revelation of the Lord. But there's a word here that says don't exasperate your children. Really what exasperate means in our translation, don't break their spirit. Don't break their spirit. And that can be done in different ways. Sometimes we can be too strict. Sometimes we can nag too much, but I believe the greatest way that we break the spirit of our kids can be all of the expectations we pile on them, but it's the words we say. I would venture to say that in this room, if we did a survey, many of you were exasperated because of the words that were spoken at you and over you and to you, and it fixed your personality, it fixed your security, it fixed your perspectives in life. Because a father or a father and mother or a parent or someone with authority in your lives exasperated or they broke your spirit. And there's something that happens when our spirit is broke, then we live life that way. And when you become adults, your spirit doesn't fix itself. 
So when we interact and speak and deal with our children, um, we are prophetically directing them in a direction by training them up in the revelation of God and their direction of God. And if we do it right, the Bible says one day they will not depart from it. There may be moments they stray, but they will not depart from that path. But it's our responsibility. The Bible says your kids are like arrows in your hands. You're to point them in the direction and the bent for their life that God wants them to have. That's our responsibility. So honor becomes three-dimensional. Isn't that good? It flows upward. It flows outward. It flows downward. And you might be sitting there and say, well, this message isn't for me. I don't have kids or my kids are older. But maybe you're the boss of somebody. You are the employer. How we nurture people, how we train people, how we work with people. Y'all ready for the last point? The last light point this morning is this. If you honor accurately, honor will attract function to your family. What have we said here this morning? If you will honor God with your life, he's going to honor you in your life. If you recognize that it's three-dimensional, then that's going to determine and direct your destiny. And let me insert this here. We can say we want to honor God in our life, but if we honor God in our life and dishonor our coaches or dishonor our spouses or dishonor our kids or dishonor our parents, we are not honoring God with our life. Thought, word, and action. Thought, word, and action. Thought, word, and action. So let's talk about how our honor, if we're doing it accurately, it attracts function, because that's what this series is about. It attracts function to our family. Honor or dishonor is a magnet. What do magnets do? They attract, right? They, they, they attract things. So let, let's take that first direction of honor, and we said the honor flows upward, and it flows upward as obedience. If we can accurately begin to walk our lives in, in an honorable way where those above us are honored with obedience, something else comes downward, and it's the favor of God. Upward honor, which is obedience, attracts the favor of God. Now, here's what I want you to get. When we are upwardly honoring obediently the word of God and the will of God and the ways of God, out of the word of God, out of the will of God, and out of the ways of God, God honors us with favor. If you are honoring your employer with honor, your employer honors you with favor. Who you are honoring is, is who has the, the ability or the source to favor you. Are you all with me? We can shout about favor, but if we're not honoring the word, favor doesn't work. If we are not honoring those above us, we can shout about favor, but it only works. God will honor you in your life when you honor him with your life. When we honor in word, thought, and we need to work on this. We need to work on this. Actually, the only time you should not obey those above you is when they are telling you or making you to do something that is evil and wrong. A lot of that going on in our, our country right now. I remember one time as a youth pastor working with this young guy, and he came from a, a rough, rough environment, and coming on Sunday nights to our student program was the highlight of his week, and he would, he would come, and he would get involved, and everybody took a liking to him, and he came to me one day, and he, we were talking about honoring your parents, and he said, what do I do? He said, when I go home, and my dad turns pornography on the TV and makes me watch it with him. I said, you dishonor that. That's breaking 
the Word of God. To answer your question, when do I not obey, is when you're told to do something that's against the Word of God. You're honoring God above them. But if your boss is cranky, you still honor him. You don't be up there like, oh no, the Word doesn't say it. No, you don't do that. Only if it's breaking the Word of God. That's an attitude thing. So I want us to check our lives. Sometimes it's easy to honor those above us. Sometimes not so much. But honor that goes upward comes with a submissive, ready-to-obey heart. And when we do that, guess what comes down in our life? The favor of God. The favor from our boss. The favor from our coach. The favor from those above us. The second direction of honor was outward. And when you accurately honor outward, honor comes back to you and it's attracted back to you as affection. Affection. If I have a friend in my life and I honor them as a friend, guess what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a bestie out of that. I'm going to get somebody who's going to walk through some stuff. If I'm going to be a good friend and I'm going to honor them, I'm going to have someone there. If you honor your wife the right way, she's going to be there. If you, if you make sure that she feels loved and she feels secure, guess what? You're going to get the right affection from her. And if it's your husband that you're honoring in that, in that manner, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have that affection. We were never meant to do life alone. We're meant to share life with people. And it builds affection in our lives. We're all made not to just have affection. You know, some people think, well, I got God and that's all I need. That sounds good, but that's not what's in the Bible. The Bible said God created Adam, gave him everything in a perfect setting, and God, God walked with Adam every evening, every day, and he spoke with Adam. Before sin, there was no broken fellowship. Him and God are just hanging out. And God said, I think he needs a suitable partner. God even knew that even though I'm in relationship with him, he needs someone to do life down here with. And if you come to me and you say, Pastor, and pray for me, I got no friends, the first thing that's going to hit my mind is, what kind of friend have you been? Remember, honor is the seed that gives you access to everything that you desire and want and need. So when it flows outward accurately, it attracts what back to us? Affection. And when honor flows downward, the last direction, honor comes back to us as influence. Goes upward as obedience, comes back to us as favor, goes outward as esteem and respect, and comes back as affection. It goes downward as nurturing, and comes back to us as influence. As the pastor here, working with staff and people in our church and we nurture, guess what comes back? Influence, a, a, an open door in their lives to speak, to preach, to teach, to help mold. With your children, if you nurture them the right way, guess what their heart does? It opens up to you to be able to have influence in their life. And you can influence them in life so they, they take a course to where um, they make you so proud in what they do. They make right decisions. I mean, not every time, but they, they take a track in life that blesses you and you have influence. The worst thing is to lose, to lose your voice with your kids. The worst thing is to lose the voice. If you are nurturing your employees, you're nurturing your athletes, nurturing your students, doing those things the right way, the greatest thing you could get is they give you back what influence. 
Now, there's something that happens when your kids go from those cute little preteens and they turn into teenagers and they get possessed with the devil for a while. There's just some things that happen. But at those moments, you've got to keep nurturing them. Some, something happens overnight. They go from needing you for everything to not needing you for much to thinking you know everything, and all of a sudden, you don't know anything. Keep nurturing them. Keep nurturing because you want to keep the doors of influence open. You want to keep the doors of influence open because that's how honor works. So if I say to you, what makes you have a functional family? Well, first of all, we are pursuing properly and we're honoring accurately. I got another good one for you next week. But this is what makes family function. This is what makes things function. And, And once again, if your family is you and your wife, if your family is you and those little people and a dog and a white picket fence, or if your family's a little bit different than an ideal picture and it's you and kids and no one else, or it's just you and God right now, these principles still work. They work in our lives. It's how we get favored in our lives. It's how we get affection in our lives. It's how we get influence from our lives. These are the principles of God and they work. Look at someone, point a finger at him and say, the word always works and the word says the word of God when it goes out never comes back to God without effect when it goes out he will work in your life work through your life he will correct you direct you rearrange you hey how many know we 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 need our thinking changed we need our attitudes altered we need our, our feelings refocused sometimes right I said this on Wednesday night. I, I, I told my wife the other day, and I, I said this during first Wednesday. I said, you know, what's more important, emotions or attitudes? And I said, attitudes more important because feelings and emotions come and they go. Attitudes come and they grow. What that means is sometimes just because we feel a certain way, we got to do the faith thing. What's that? The attitude thing. As if the word works. As if God is right about that. As if the word really is accurate. We look at the world going crazy around us right now. We need to act as if the word is true. That's a spirit. That's an attitude of faith. Amen? No matter what it feels like, looks like, we are acting as if Jesus knows what he's doing. As if God's about to take things in our country and around us, and he's about to level a mountain and make it a footstool that we can cross over in this season. As if the word of God is true in your life. That he's about to get your marriage over that, over that, uh, over that current and level that mountain. In your health. Amen. Somebody, come on. In, in your finances. That's what God can do in your life. If you honor the word, he'll honor you right back in your life. Y'all get something good this morning? How about we stand to our feet? Say, what do you do after a message like that? Well, we, we, we got to take a check of our lives and say, okay, is there some, is there some honor lacking in, th- in this area? Is there some attitudes I have in this way? And once again, what's our opinion? Honor's about opinion. What's our opinion about our leaders? What's our opinion about those we work for? What's our opinion about our coach? What's our opinion about our spouse? What's our opinion about our coworker? What's our opinion about our kids? What's our opinion about our students? What's our opinion? We need to treat it weighty. When we do, favor, affection, and influence in our lives. Aren't you glad you have the Word of God? In, our, in a culture that is void of this principle of honor. And Jesus said, if you'll honor me, you'll see great things. If you can't honor me, 
We'll limit God. God was limited to curing a few headaches instead of raising the dead. What about in your life? Are you needing God to raise some dead things, but all he's doing is taking care of some headaches when he could do so much more? It's this honor thing. It's this word of God is true. Mm, that was good right there. That was real good right there. Hey, listen, if you're around a family member, you can grab their hand. If you're around a friend, you can grab their hand. We're going we're gonna to sing this song. It's going to be a declaration that we have that we're going to sing over our families, sing over our relationships, sing over our church, sing over our season. It's called the blessing. We're going to sing. I'll be back up in just a moment. Look at someone and say, I'm so glad I came to church. You know why you're glad you came to church? Because Jesus was in the house. Say, how do I know he was here? Every time we open the word and we don't mess it up, he's in the house. If he, and if the presence of Jesus is in the house, the promises of his father become available. And you can get healed while we sing right here. Your marriage can be, boom, healed while we sing. Your body can be touched. God can go to work right now. When you praise him, he can go to work right now. When you sing about his blessing, what happens? Get his blessing stirred up.